0: We'll mm-hmm.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hacker Public Radio. This is Stank Dog with you on this episode, and today we actually have a very special guest on the show, Uh, somebody who, if you read the Benref forums, you might have seen him enter recently and talk about a project that he's working on. Ed Piscor is joining the show with us today, and we're going to talk about his latest book, his latest graphic novel, uh, called WYSIWYG, Volume 1, Freak, which is a... Graphic novel about, uh, well, actually, I guess we'll go into what it's about in a few seconds. But first of all, Ed, thank you for being on the show.
0: Thanks a lot for having me, Stan. It's real good to talk to you, man.
1: All right. So, first impressions of the book. All right. You ready for this?
0: <laughs> Let's hear it.
1: All right. So, first of all, thank you for sending me the copy. I appreciate it. It was weird. First of all, there's a weird backstory here that you and I know that I guess we could share is I was traveling a lot <laughs> during this, when you sent me this book, and I wasn't able to get my hands on it. I was looking forward to reading it uh, through the holidays. I came back and I couldn't get into my uh, P.O. box because I really wanted to read this on a, a flight I had coming up. I flew out to San Diego. Shouts to Savant and the guys out in San Diego, Gene and Eric. Um, and I was looking forward to reading it on the plane. However, the post office was closed because it was the 31st and the first were the only two days that I was home. <laughs> so when I tried to go, it was a Sunday and a holiday so I couldn't get stupid thing so I didn't get to read it on the plane but I did get it when I got back and uh very excited first thing I did was flip the book over first of all let's talk the, the size of the book now what is what are the dimensions here uh, it's like
0: a seven and a half inch square so seven and a half inches all around perfect square
1: so yeah. first thing I did I pick up the book um Nice, glossy cover. I was impressed at that. I wasn't sure what to expect, if this was going to be stapled together, quite honestly. I wasn't expecting this. It came in great shape. I'm very impressed. It's bound very well. I'm a little... I'm
0: glad.
1: <laughs> I'm a little bit anal about my um, my books, too. I'm one of those guys that... I can't stand people who bend the front cover back around the book while they're reading it. Oh, man, that bugs the hell out of me for some reason. That's a book. I you know can't... what you're talking about, man. <laughs> I know can't... what you're
0: talking about. I hate, I hate when people... Uh it in front of me and and they take a look at my comic and then they just like manipulate it all weird and roll it up and put it in their pocket and it just makes me want to cry, man. I worked hard on this stuff, you know? Yeah,
1: and you know, that's a book, man. You can't do that. That's like, I don't know, sacrilege or something. You just can't do that to books and anyway, so mine is still, even though I've read the whole thing, the spine is still perfect. No cracks, no creases, so I will keep it in that condition, I hope. So the first thing I did, I felt, pick it up in my hands. I was impressed. It was good binding. I was surprised at that. So if anybody's wondering about ordering something online like that and wondering how it comes, it does come just... You could buy this off the shelf in any bookstore. And actually, is this available in bookstores at all, or is this only online?
0: No, I'm just distributing it myself. So right. Like, if you, if you get in touch with a distributor to pick, pick up your stuff, I mean, they just... Like, you end up losing money... Uh, just by shipping it to them and stuff like that so I'm just just handling it on my own
1: exactly we found the same exact thing with our magazine you have to front all the shipping to get it to them and then there's such a delay in getting the sales numbers back and getting paid for it and then whatever they don't sell they don't pay you for and it's such it's so hard to get into that market or into that distribution line so I totally understand what you're saying
0: yeah, and in comics, there's there's a monopoly uh, when it comes to distribution. This company called Diamond handles mm-hmm. it all, and you know, since they're a monopoly, they can command that you give them. Uh, I think it's sixty percent off uh, wow. to, to you know carry the book, and uh, I mean, with each copy, you're losing a lot of money.
1: Yeah, uh, that's crazy. So,
0: so it's just I figure. I think my audience is uh tech savvy enough to to find the book, and you know the the internet's a perfect way of distribution, right but people talk about it if they want it they'll find it
1: well, and that's the same thing with us, but you know also to throw in there this is something that you know the printed medium is I love the printed medium you know there's other ways of distributing, distributing online and stuff, but I like the printed medium. It, some things are just designed to work well for it, and I think this is one of them. So yeah, now no, I, there's,
0: there's a whole movement of web comics out there, and I don't know. There, there's just something about looking at looking at a screen. Like I, I like something tangible that you could like kick back on the couch and just, right, you know, step step away from the computer for a second and like decompress. Yeah, and... Hang out in a recliner or something.
1: Some things work better online. Some things work better printed. It's just the nature of it. And I think this is definitely something... I, I don't think I would like reading this online as much as I do having it printed.
0: So Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way, man.
1: Yeah, so the, so the the so I pick it up so first of all I'm impressed with the printing and the way this thing is put together that that I wasn't expecting so that ended up being pretty good I didn't know if you were going to staple this out of your house and send it to me or what so nice glossy cover nice thick cardstock cover Um, and even the interior paper see there's a lot in your artistic style and we probably will come back to this later but in your artistic style there's a lot of shading and colors and you're not afraid to make dark backgrounds and shadows and, and things like that to help offset it so you, nice thick paper inside so it doesn't bleed through to the other side, which is very in, something that I learned in doing the magazine that you have to be careful with. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Now, here's the, uh, here's the first thing that made me say, uh-oh, wait a minute. <laughs> uh-oh. Flipped it over to the back. And on the back cover is a big Free Kevin's bumper sticker, basically. And I immediately thought to myself, oh, no, this is going to be... The Kevin Mitnick story. Again, we're going to hear the poor Kevin. Kevin got this. Kevin got that. Well, and I began flipping through the pages. First of all, the artwork was very interesting. And again, wasn't sure what to expect. Um, So I flipped through it at first. It immediately looked interesting. All right, I'm going to go back to page one and start reading. First of all, thanks for the introduction. Nice first page you sent me. I appreciate that. Um, Started reading it immediately. And... I was kind of half reading it to be honest sitting in front of the TV I'd just gotten home I was trying to watch the news and pick this up and half reading it and I found that about four pages into it I had to turn the TV off and concentrate on the book so you did a good job of engaging me within the first few pages and that's a big obstacle yeah that's a big obstacle to overcome I think in most readers Americans sadly have a short attention span I don't think I'm as bad as most but I guess I probably have my moments um (laughs) And first page, of course, the title, the first frame says, The Mythology of Boing Thump, a.k.a. Kevin Fennecle Jr. So, there's the Kevin from the back. So, it obviously does have some relation to the Free Kevin movement for obvious reasons, but this is not a book, true or false, this is not a book about Kevin Mitnick.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely not a book about Kevin Mitnick per se, though uh, somebody who knows the story of Mitnick might recognize... Some scenarios and situations that this character gets himself into every now and again.
1: Right now, is there? Okay, first of all, Kevin is good because not only you got Kevin Mitnick, Kevin Polson, you've got just the name Kevin. For I don't know, weird reason seems like hacker name because of them. I guess because of some of the big names historically. Is there any other significance or to the Kevin J Fennicle Jr.? Is there any other?
0: They're they're kind of it. It's yeah. It doesn't have much to do with actor lore so much as it does uh, so much as it has to do with just my, my personal life. I have uh, a friend named Kevin. He's into <laughs> computers and he's very tech savvy. Uh, his name is, his name is uh, Kevin.
1: And the last name that you don't need to know.
0: And uh, I worked with the guy in, in this real shitty call center here in Pittsburgh. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and the people were so inept that uh, in, in, in the computer system where they sort of had his name stored, they they misspelled it, they called him Kevin Fennigle, so I, uh, he, he was so pissed off about that, and whenever I would call him Kevin Fennigle, he would, he would uh, screw up my name, and, and we would just, like, we would just, like, make fun of each other, like, with, uh, you know, calling each other retarded names and stuff. Yeah,
1: that's a, and that's so, a great story.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's just my, uh, it's just my way to get people to say Kevin Fenticle, uh over public airwaves, <laughs> and anywhere else.
1: Dude, one day we're going to cross in real life at a con or something like that, you got to point to him, and I'll walk up and say, hey, you're Kevin Pinnacle.
0: <laughs> Easy to do, man. And, <laughs> and the, the, the Boing Thump moniker.
1: Well, I, and, was, uh, I was going to bring that up later in the show when I started breaking it down, but yeah, the Boing Thump, first of all, I'm like, well, that's kind of unique. I've never heard that. It's a very it's very onomatopoeia. It's yeah. kind of like a Boing Thump. And then as I started reading it, actually it's on page 23, I'm flipping to it right now, where in the book there's a backstory of how he picked up the handle. And I didn't get it. I'm like, wait a minute, I don't get the punchline of this joke on page 23. I'm like, (laughs) I'm not quite getting that one.
0: You know what? It, it, it's it's probably it's probably a little bit inside.
1: And in the book, I just kind of chalked it up to stoner humor. I'm like, this guy's just stoned because I, I don't get that at all. I'm not sure what that's about. So,
0: <laughs> but
1: anyway, okay. So again, I'm worried that this is going to be another free Kevin book, or it's either going to be about Kevin and he's the main character, Kevin Mitnick, that is, which is not true, or it's going to be a book where the main character. Worships Kevin Mitnick is going to tell us about all the injustices and stuff against Kevin mitnick now not to dismiss them or put them down it's just been done to death so I was happy to read a few pages in that that is absolutely clearly not the case here like you said you did reference some things some stories that may be tighter um, some uh, what is it? Urban urban legends or myths or whatever you want to call it that may or may not have been attributed to Kevin or other people in there. You did a good job of mixing some real stories or I guess, is that a is that an oxymoron? Real stories, real? No, I guess there are real stories and some mythology and some. I heard that he could do this and I heard he could do. There was a reference in here about whistling into the phone. You know, yeah, that's which a was popular something. Yeah, that was one that's been told. Um, there were references like that in there. Um, well, actually, let, let, let's back up and kind of go through the but Back to the opening of the book. The, the introduction here is you've got a main character that we immediately realize is not Kevin Mitnick because you say Kevin Fenicle Jr. on the first panel. And then like the first two or three pages are, I don't know what I'd call them, interview pages, are basically people saying, oh yeah, I know that guy. This is what he's like. And you get all these different viewpoints from all these different types of people and it, they're so varied that it is exactly like some of the myths and stories that get spread around. You know, people from the old... There's probably so many people that have said so many stories about all these old hackers and probably only a certain percentage of them are true. Some of them are true that no one's ever thought were true. I mean, it, it's good that you're creating a mythology off the character to start with. Even though he's completely fictional, you're creating a f- mythology so it's kind of accurate. And then, yeah, and then by page twelve, this is where you really get to the to the uh, the narrative, I guess, of the story. Your your main let's see, your main plot device, I guess, would be um, Winston Smith is the name of the character on a radio show called Off the Rocker. Now, I do think that the majority of our listeners, the majority of our hacker listeners, um, will realize that that's a play off of Off the Hook the TV show out of New York 2600's radio show Off the Hook and or Off the Wall both shows from Emmanuel Goldstein and there's also a double reference there because Winston Smith and Emmanuel Goldstein both characters from 1984 by George Orwell right so a lot of well read hackers would have gotten that quite a few probably didn't to be honest I think so many in the forums didn't get the reference and I explained who Winston Smith because I think they asked when you put up the uh, sample pages on there and I had to say wait a minute that's 1984 man you've got to respect George Orwell here
0: yeah <laughs> I guess I'm not that clever man <laughs> the um,
1: the narrator here and it's not throughout the entire thing but he comes in when it's necessary to further the plot and to fill in some gaps of the story is Winston Smith Hosting a radio show, going out over the airwaves, talking about Kevin, a.k.a. Boing Thump here, in the present day. A radio show that you're listening to, while the rest of the book is kind of talking about a young Boing Thump growing up, and even getting the handle by, like I said, as early as page 23, was it I said earlier? Yeah, yeah, real uh, early on. Yeah, so it's so it's the story that you're watching. The main character is when he was younger, but every once in a while, you'll come in with a I don't know a flash forward or a, a present day narrative explaining um, what's going on to the main character. As I guess in I can't say real life, but in in, in the now,
0: right? So in, in, the, in the present time context of the story, I guess.
1: There you go. See you. You tell it better. I can't think of the proper term, words here to describe. But the majority of it is following the ca- adventures of this young guy. First of all, okay, so the name we talked about, the other thing i got to ask you, the other thing that jumps out of me within a couple pages, and even on the cover, but once I started reading this, I suddenly found myself going, damn, homeboy has got a fro, man. Dude has got some hair. <laughs> this guy has got a hair. I mean, that's, <laughs> that is some hair, man. <laughs> That's like a, you know, oh, it's almost like a trademark of the character. I mean, it, at first I'm like, man, what is this dude doing with the hair? And then kind of towards the end, it's like it fits him. It's like it works.
0: <laughs> you know what I sort of lifted that from was um, this this kind of a uh, legendary picture of Kevin Polson where he's he's sitting on. Uh, He's sitting. He's sitting on this table, and there are like a million rotary phones all around him, and some like old payphones around the, the like like uh, surrounding him in the picture. Mm-hmm. And he's got like this mad '80s hair, man. Yeah, so I just had to exaggerate it a little bit for for my own use. Yeah. But that was kind of the inspiration, man. Just that that that, that ugly ass uh 1970s '80s hairstyle.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And and you know that's another thing. Um. I guess we can talk about now too, is that you did a good job in keeping everything in the proper time frame. Like one thing I do is I'm a very critical reader for loopholes and mistakes and things like that. You know, I'm the guy that watches a movie and says, dude, there's no way he can do that with a cell phone because they hadn't invented that technology yet. I'm that guy. (laughs) Right. So when I read this and... I was looking for stuff like that. Not because I wanted to pick it apart, but just because it's what I do. And i got to say, I didn't find a single one. I didn't find anything. I was even looking at silly stuff. But you're going to laugh at this, but this is, again, I guess, me being a weird hacker or just a weird nerd in general. But even like some of the background scenes, you would have a car... And I'm thinking, okay, what year was that model car started? Because I don't know if it was invented yet. Like, little weird stuff like that I look for. I couldn't catch anything in the I whole book. So you should feel very proud of that.
0: Thanks a lot, man. Like, like I, I did a lot of research to try to, to try to make it as accurate to the time as possible. But, but also to tell you the truth, um, you know, when you're dealing with the, the, the highest form of technology that we're really playing around with in this, Issue is, is a telephone, right. uh, then you know you're not going to see too many discrepancies when it comes to when it comes to different models or, or something like that. Like when, when we start getting into computers, uh, that's probably where I'm going to going get an email from you telling me how how I screwed up or something <laughs> like that.
1: Well, and actually. Uh, I admit i'm not i am not a big phone freak. I've learned a whole lot from from the guys in the forums, all of them and and dual parallel and Black and all those guys um but I am not a phone freak, but i I do know that a lot of the a lot of our listeners will be able to identify and tell you I can't tell you what model phone this is that you use I don't know if you use... did you go to a phone booth and use it as a reference so that you drew it to make it match a certain type of pay phone because there are guys, there are phone freaks out there that can tell you, oh, the phone that you drew in this picture, what didn't come into play until 1994 or something. So you may still get caught. It's just I didn't get you on that one. I don't know what phone you used. Did you go to a pay phone for a reference?
0: No, just use Google Image Search, man. That's like that's like a cartoonist's best friend when it comes to that <laughs> sort of thing. But I'm not going to point it out so as to shoot myself in the foot. But... Uh, I'm, there's a phone or two in there that, that I really screwed up on, and uh, <laughs> you know it was only upon reflection that I'm like, what year is this story taking place?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm like, ah, damn it, I screwed up.
1: <laughs> well, I didn't I catch it. it up. Some of the phone freaks might. Um, on the front cover, the one that's, that, um, that he's looking at on the front cover has a rotary dial on it. Right. Whereas all the rest interior have the touchstones.
0: Well, (laughs) see, you pointed it out, man. Like uh, the the
1: uh, well, not all of them. Yeah,
0: stuff in there when it has it has the touch tones, and I'm pretty well. Put it this way: if they were around, that's not what I wanted. Uh, You know, I I I just screwed up. But if you look further, I do see into into the book. Like, and you see a payphone. They they all have the rotary.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm looking at the one with the two Steves, and they are using one a payphone that has rotary.
0: You got so. me, man.
1: Ah, ha, ha. There we go. Well, that's minor, though. You can, we'll, some, that's not necessarily bad. I mean, that's just like my anal retentiveness, but that doesn't, I don't think that's, that's minor. If anything, that just varies the art to make it different. I mean, that's an artistic choice. That's no big deal, either.
0: I'm the same kind of way, though. I'm, I'm very <laughs> analytical, and, uh, you know, I, I, I we're, we're sort of kindred spirits in this way, man, and and, you know, I try to be a stickler for detail. So I consider that little uh, section just like a wad. <laughs>
1: um, all right, so let's see. So as we go throughout the story, now I don't want to give away the complete story or anything, but the the short version is we follow the life of uh, Kevin, a.k.a. Boing Thump, um, throughout his younger years mostly messing with the phone system, but there's a lot of other things. There's some um, dumpster diving in there. Uh, There is some lock picking. There's a lot of other things, and they're not forced. They're very natural. Um, There's some other hacker references worth mentioning in here. Uh, Like, okay, we mentioned Free Kevin earlier, and there's lots of Mitnick references scattered throughout, like some of the things that he did or allegedly did, etc., that our main character here does something very similar or the exact same thing from some of those stories. He's not Kevin Mitnick, but parts of him are in there. He's, again, an amalgam of lots of different characters. Uh, there's there's some red boxing on these payphones. There's quite a few payphones in here, so definitely a fitting title for Volume 1 being Freak. Um, red boxing, there's a mention of whistling into the phone, and our main character here has perfect pitch. Now, I don't think Kevin's ever been accused of that, but... Certainly, that comes from Joy Bubbles. Right. Right? That's where that narrative. So, it's for our main character, and you don't specifically say that, but again, hackers who know some of the history, and I don't know that a lot of them do, would recognize that. And there's one scene where he's reading a magazine, and I think you do put a little note to say that it's October 1971, Esquire Magazine. Now, that is a very obscure reference. Let me give you big kudos for that. That's a very obscure reference that I don't think... I think 99% of hackers do not realize... Because it's Esquire Magazine. What hacker reads Esquire Magazine. But that particular issue, October 1971 of Esquire Magazine, had a, an article on phone freaking, and it was uh, Captain Crunch and Joy Bubbles, a.k.a. Joe and Grecia... And there, there was an article about red boxing and phone freaking in general and stuff, and uh, about those two guys, mostly. And most people probably don't even realize that. That was 1971. 2600 Magazine came about in 1984. This is right. 1971, October 1971. So just to put some perspective and some date, look how long ago that was. So that is a very cool reference that you put in there. And if I can take a... A moment. I don't want to get corny or have a weird moment of silence or anything, but, you know, Joy Bubbles, Joe Grecia just passed away last year, uh, founder of the Church of Eternal Childhood. So, Joy Bubbles, you will be missed from the community for sure. And didn't you say you had some connection to Joy Bubbles or you had knowledge from up there?
0: Yeah, I, you know, just uh, with the whole, uh, with the whole thing where he, uh, sort of reverted back to childhood or whatever. He was a big fan of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is, is, was shot uh, here in Pittsburgh. Uh, when Mr. Rogers died, uh, Joy Bubbles took a pilgrimage to come here to Pittsburgh because uh, all of the shows are archived at the uh, the uh, Pittsburgh Library. And so, so he spent days uh, listening to every single show and then just traveled back home to us without the rest of his days
1: yeah he was, he was an interesting character he's an interesting guy who loved life so much he, he would always tell people that he was five years old it, right. he got to a point in his life and he said I'm five years old and the next year he's still five years old he would stopped aging he was just I'm five years old I'm going to keep that mindset of enjoying life and having joy for life and even legally changed his name to Joy Bubbles so yeah, and he was even even
0: his name was a hack, because uh, I guess in the phone book they they require you to have mm-hmm. two names for to to go along with your phone number. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his name is Joy Bubbles, and that was it. Mm-hmm. So he he was able to uh, manipulate them in that way, and uh, he was also able to like if you if you looked up Bubbles, like if you it, it mistook his name for being first name Joy, last name Bubbles. Mm-hmm. But you take a look at bubbles and it would say "See joy bubbles in parentheses <laughs> uh, in his local phone book
1: Wow, I did not know that that is awesome yeah, I you know
0: what there's this, theres this great interview uh it, it's it's on off the hook where his name was high rise Joe at the at the time
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and uh, he's just going through a bunch of tricks you you really like can feel his enthusiasm just coming through the speakers when he's talking about phones and Stuff like that. He, he talks about things like that.
1: Hmm. That's good stuff. I, I did not know that. I picked up something new again. <laughs> um, <clears throat> there's also a reference in here to the two Steves, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. They're side characters in your in your book here as well. And I like the way that you kind of mix them into Kevin's story. I'll I word it that way because it is Kevin's story. Um, right. Mixed them into it in passing. They like had this kind of anonymous run-in, if you will. And actually, Kevin kind of pwned them in in the scene. I won't give uh, give that away completely, but that was kind of neat that they just crossed through. Again, I it, it's kind of like um, it, it's a tough tightrope to walk, to be honest. Where you're not making all of these historical figures characters in your book, where he's just like, you know, I think we said it earlier, the Forrest Gump where you just have him meet every famous person and that's the story. That would not be as good, I don't think. I think it's much better that you incorporated different parts of historical figures in hacking to your fictional character. Sometimes it's the main character, sometimes it's his friends, sometimes it's people that just happen to come through his life for one small moment in time.
0: The, the, like, the knowledgeable reader would would pick up that, that it's uh, Steve Jobs and Wozniak with... You know, selling blue boxes or whatever, but I never mention them, really, uh, using their last names or anything like that. I just here's two characters named Steve, and uh, you know, so it's just I like to put little things in there
1: mm-hmm.
0: that that uh, that people might pick up on, and and feel sort of still uh, sort of like you know they're inside baseball or something like that where right. where they're just like I get this, but. You probably don't, or something well, like
1: that. And, and, the, and it's good too because if you don't get that reference, it doesn't hurt the story. I mean, it's two guys that he interacts with; it still furthers the plot. But if you do get somebody, it's like like we kind of talked about earlier about your your friend's name. It's kind of in jokes. You know, it's inside right. jokes. So if you get those, you get that much more enjoyment out of it. But it certainly, even if you don't get it, you can still read it and it still furthers the plot and it still works as a great story. So it's those little in-jokes which are great. And even in that scene too, it kind of I kind of felt like there was a little Bernie S in that part as far as the selling the red boxes or whatever out of the trunk of the car, selling tone dollars or red boxes, I think they're out of the trunk. So again, without ruining that little part of the story, I don't want to go and mess it up. Um, but kind of felt like again incorporating another figure from the ghost of hacker past, I guess.
0: <laughs> in in that in that exact story, there's the the, the mad hatter looking character mm-hmm. on the phone, and he says something like, "You know, we have we have a guy in Philly who wants to buy three of these blue boxes."
1: Exactly.
0: And and the guy that I had in mind was totally Bernie S.
1: Absolutely. So, yeah, you can and, – and you can, again, it can – it's just relevant enough to pick up the reference. And that's what makes it great. Don't throw it in their face. Don't make them recognize it. You know, those – you could have clearly said, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak suddenly walk past. And you don't. And right. Just leave it vague enough to make people figure it out, you know. So that's – you did a great job at that, I have to say. Um, and I don't want to go – I don't want to ruin every single hacking reference here. Um, there's a lot of them, and these are just a few examples. There's a couple of other just kind of general old school references. I don't know if they're exactly hacking or whatever. Um, again, I, I did point out that you know the technical reference were ac- a- accurate to that time frame, so that was really good. Um, there was like, uh, and this is maybe you know, me being the old guy here, I do remember the days where we would do the old coin on a string. In the very first uh, vending machines and, and early video games and stuff, um, you could do that. And it didn't even have to be a coin in the rear. You could find some of those really cheap low-end machines where you could just put a slug in there. That stuff was obviously fixed very quickly. That didn't last very long, but it's a great legend, or maybe even urban legend, if you say, because it was so extremely rare. Um, right. But they, they caught on to that really quickly, stopping not only the slugs and started checking for weight and like the ridges along the edge of the quarters and stuff like that, but... For the string itself, they would put the razor blades in there. So you drop your coin in, had a razor blade that was kind of angled down. So if you try to pull it back up, it would slice the string and take your quarter. So they did put stuff to stop that in really quick. But that is absolutely a great little reference too. And and I got to give you kudos here because you did stump me. There was a reference in here that I did not get. Okay, until I did I read it in the back and, and. uh, is there what, two or three pages at the very end where you do explain some of the references in case people didn't get them? Not all of them, but quite a few that you explain. And this right. is one of them. And I had not heard of this or did not get it until I read the notes. It's on page 47. Okay. And you reference what's called the Eight Queens Puzzle. Oh, yeah, right. And I did not, I had never heard of that before. I know, I you know, I know how to play chess. I went through in high school, I played chess and a little bit through college, but I had never heard of the Eight Queens Puzzle. And it is a chess puzzle, a chessboard thing, and I'll let the listener do their reference because that's exactly what I did. When I read this book, and when I saw that, I went out and I actually looked, and I think Wikipedia even had an article on it, but I went out and did some searching, found out a description, here's what the Eight Queens Puzzle is, I sat and thought about it, Um, I didn't have a chessboard handy, but visually I'm counting out squares. I'm like, okay, well, that's the challenge. So here, here, here. And I actually figured it out in my head, the solution. And then I went back to page 47 in the book and looked. And sure enough, that's exactly, you have the pieces in the exact position. So that is probably one of my favorite frames. And I'm going to come back to frames towards the end of this too. But that was very cool because I didn't get it. And I think... There's going to be something for everybody in here. Nobody, I think, is going to get all of the references. There's so many of them in here, and some of them are so obscure and so passive in nature that um, I think there's something in here that everybody's going to look up or hear or learn for the first time. So, kudos to you for that as well. There's lots of social engineering also mixed in the book from... Um, the bus stop and stamping the transfer passes, which is something that, yes, we used to do. I never had the, um, the uh, punch method, we'll say. Again, I don't want to ruin too much of the story, but that he used. But certainly, um, silly, it's much more simple, but uh, all you had to do back when I would ride the city bus was have a ticket that was dated and time stamped from within the last 24 hours. So we would just look for people at a bus stop or look in the trash go trashing and pull one out that somebody else threw away who wasn't transferring and walk on and wait for our bus and chop on there and they didn't know the difference. So that is absolutely a good example. The pizza example, things like that, that's classic old school and can work still today probably. Um, What else here? Well, again, I don't want to give all the details out. Like I said, there's something in there for everybody. All in all, to kind of wrap up here because we're over 30 minutes, um, all in all, and we don't have a time, so don't worry about that. We can go for however long we want to. But I guess as a summary, the things that I want to emphasize and point out is that you had a lot of accurate depictions and stuff in there. Even when they weren't direct references to people or events, you did a good job also, and this is the most difficult part to me. You actually captured the essence of and the feeling of it all. And I think it's... Let me, let me flip open to it. I have it marked here on my notes page 70 page 70 is a great example of this and if you you don't mind I'd like to actually just read this page on the air if if I can
0: yeah go ahead I'm I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not worried about that sort of thing
1: all right it's um it is our two our main character and his best friend uh, Winston who again he Winston ends up being the radio host in the future you know who's narrating the whole thing but in, when he was younger was I guess best friends can we say that with Kevin sure in the story so these two are talking and they're talking about party lines and talking on them and something and you you really I, I wouldn't change a single word in the way you did this so if I can just read this this is from um, Kevin Fenneckel Blink Thump this is him suddenly I don't know if it's an epiphany or just suddenly well I'll just read it basically he's talking to his friend about party lines and all of a sudden he comes through with this he says you know Winston I was thinking about the power of communications and the puzzle of the phone system there's so much more to it than just these party lines imagine the technology behind the scenes that keeps the phone system going I mean it's incredible we take it for granted people with People just think you hit a few buttons and boom, you're magically connected. You know the average phone call usually bounces through many different systems that make up the whole network? They keep updating things. I'm sure blue boxing will become obsolete. I can tell what we know about the network is very small. With a better understanding of things, we can probably come up with some awesome pranks and stuff. I want to figure it out to the point that I can hear the president fart using the phone system. I think (laughs) I think we can make a better tool out of the phone than anyone can imagine and I think that really see it, it captures a couple things first the fascination and the appreciation it's a word that hackers don't use a lot but they they don't realize that they have this appreciation it's not a word they use but they you do you have an appreciation for technology And in his speech, you get across not only that appreciation and fascination with the system, but also the fun aspect of it. So yes, I know it's not embarrassing at all because it shows that he's not only... He's not like a nerd focused on it only for the technology aspect. There is certainly that factor in there. But it's also for the fun aspect and for the challenge. And it's just so many words to describe, I guess, a hacker's fascination with technology, that you can't list a bunch of adjectives, I think it works better as an emotional exposition like that. And I think that little speech right in there was my favorite part of the whole book. It may be corny, it may be a little bit silly, but it captured the essence of the mind of a hacker. And I think you nailed it on the head
0: thanks thanks so much man I don't
1: know what to say that, that's that's hey thank you that was that made the whole that was my favorite part of the whole book um, let's see what else and, and yeah hearing the magic and the wonder in his voice talking about the and this is just volume one for the phone system I'm sure that's going to carry over that's just see again I'm not a phone freak but I appreciate that's the way I feel about um, the computer system and the interwebs you know these tubes
0: carrying yeah, the all tube. the
1: data out there you know it's like I don't know. I guess Again, it's corny. I know how the interwebs work, you know, analytically and technically how it works. But sometimes... and I mean, everybody listening right now, humor me with this for a second, will you? <laughs> I want you to sit back as you listen to this. And I want you to just for a second visualize how many people are out there right now Connected to everybody else. I mean, it's it's just amazing. I just... I know it's so corny, but that blows my fucking mind. I just can't believe that here we are in an age where anybody is a click away from anybody else. Uh, yeah, my it, God, it, it, if it, you me can't too, appreciate that. I mean, that. The, the,
0: the world is... Instant- instantaneously a smaller place because of the internet God. it's very very easy to communicate with anybody and I, I have the same sentiment
1: man oh man you I mean you've got to love technology <laughs> you just have to so yeah anyway the, the, the moral there is you captured that essence very well you actually it's very genuine you captured the innocence and someone who's genuinely interested in the topic and in learning and thinking outside of the box which happens that's only one example there were others like that as well so yeah I related to that because that's how I think about a lot of things and it just absolutely kind of spoke to me to be really corny I guess so I thought that was fantastic my favorite part of the book Um, one other thing that kind of stood out to me and and you probably laugh at this but you know Kevin's cool and all but homeboy got his ass beat a little bit too much (laughs) And he was a bit of a punk. I mean, come on now. We've all been around the block in a few fights here and there, but this dude got beat down a few times. I hope he stands up for himself soon.
0: Well, you know, you know what it is. I I just wanted uh the the, the casual reader to to be sort of sympathetic to to the character. Yeah. Uh, so so I wanted to put obstacles in his way.
1: I see that. And, uh, I, can and s- eh. I can see that. It works.
0: I guess that's the main reason why I, I did it. But but you know what, to tell you the truth, like, like, now this might sound corny, but I actually, like, really like this character as a person, if you could believe what the hell I'm saying. Right, yeah. And, but, but I am a masochist, man, and I like to put, <laughs> I like to screw with them. I just, like, like it, it gives me pleasure to draw and get, in, get kicked in the nuts every now and again. <laughs> and it has nothing, that, that has nothing to do with what I think of hackers or anything like that. It's just like, You know what, man? I think he had it too good these past few pages. Yeah. He's going to get kicked in the balls right now.
1: Well, and you know what, his—and again, I'm not going to ruin the story—but he's—he's got kind of a rough life anyway. Family life and financial and that kind of stuff. Anyway, he's not coming from the, you know, a certain type of background, I guess. So, you know, I think that's something that people can relate to and appreciate the underdog aspect or the challenging aspect of it. But, again, he still comes up from that and he still has these gifts that make him so much more than probably most people view the character as, you know?
0: Right. Certainly um, anybody that exists in that little world.
1: Right. Now, now let's talk a little bit about the art style itself. Um, you have a pretty consistent format throughout the book, four panels per page. Is that right. something you consciously chose to do? Do you like that format? for this particular story or do you like that format in general or do you just think it fit well th- for this particular graphic novel?
0: Uh, I've, done, I've done a few different graphic novels so far and uh, what I hope to accomplish with each one of them uh, I want them all to look, look different from the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this particular story that I wrote mm-hmm. and drew uh, I wanted it to have the same sort of beat so to speak as an old-time uh, adventure comic strip, like uh, like Dick Tracy right. or something something like that, that would have been in the newspaper. Right. And those those little segments are told in little four-panel beats in the same way. Uh, so that's that's just that's, what I was. Uh, yeah, that's
1: very that's, very that's a very that's a very old-school reference. I mean, Dick Tracy, uh, the Phantom, uh, stuff like that. That's um. That's going way back.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. It, it, that's, that's where I gain most of my inspiration, uh, artistic wise. Like the stories are very quaint and hokey if you take a look at them now. But mm-hmm. um, I, I just think I just think that those people were consummate like uh, draftsmen, and uh, they could tell a story mm-hmm. in pictures like like nobody else.
1: Well, and you know, when I read it too, what jumped into my mind is it, it immediately remind, reminded me, and again, I'm an old guy, so I remember these these old comics, like the old R. Crumb, Robert Crum, and not, not him specifically, but these old 70s keep on trucking kind of style of artwork. I mean, it seemed very like it was influenced from that. I don't know if it was consciously or not, or if that just is your style. I mean... I don't know if this is good, bad insult or whatever, but I mean, I think I could pluck you out of the space-time continuum, drop you into the early 70s, and you could publish this book and it would fit in with that style and that era. So to me, that's a great thing. It's not superheroes with capes and big muscles and everything. They have their place too. I'm not putting them down, but this today is a very good feeling of being different than what's out today with some throwback and an homage almost to those old 70s comics.
0: Thanks a lot, man. You know, I, I gain a lot of my uh, artistic inspiration from a lot of those those cartoonists as well. Or in particular. I mean, you brought up his name and I'm, I'm not ashamed to uh, say that he's a huge influence because I, I consider that guy the best. Hmm. So, uh, might, as, might as well steal from the best,
1: man. Yeah. Well, and, and, it's not, and it's not exactly like his style, but it's certainly reminiscent of it. You can tell there's some influence from that era and that genre, so that's, that's very cool. Um, I guess here, let's let's kind of wrap. Up. Well, actually, there's one other thing I wanted to mention about the art too that you put in. You know how they say the uh, what is it? The devil is in the details. There's a couple of other little things that I thought that really completely rounded it out that really made it from like an A product to an A-plus product. And these are the little polishes that you can put on. Things like when there is a scene with him at a payphone, there might be graffiti on the side of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, for example, I saw one of the things that was tagged on the side of the phone was the handle Cheshire Catalyst.
0: Right, yeah. So
1: there's still little references. Now, he, the character didn't say it, the narrator didn't reference it. There was no reference whatsoever unless you just happened to notice it. And right. there are quite a few things like that. Things in the background, seeing things on signs, stuff like that that you should look for and you might pick up and, and recognize. So look for stuff like that as you're reading as well. It adds to the depth of the whole thing, that little bit of shine when it's all said and done. So that was a nice little touch too. So... If you ever wonder if anybody notices those kind of little things, yes, we do. Yeah,
0: so. you know what, I appreciate that so much because I uh, I sort of created the project uh, with with people like you in mind who are analytical and, and know, know the references and things like that and, and appreciate not being spoon-fed these sorts of things, but, mm-hmm. you know, you, you feel like I don't know about you I'm not gonna speak for you but whenever I see something and like I, I get a reference that, that like I understand something that I know other people don't it just it feels kind of cool man It Feels like part of the club or something
1: right and, right. and I know. wanted
0: people Good. to come away with that sort of feeling uh, you know that maybe maybe it's an okay story or something like that but you know at least I understood this a, a little bit better than you know the average bear
1: well I think mission accomplished I think you nailed it I think this is absolutely a great purchase it's worth every dime um, people should definitely go pick this up um, your website edpiskor.com E-D-P-I-S-K-O-R, edpiskor.com they can buy this book right $15 still, The first. this is the first one out right
0: yeah, yeah, I'm knee deep in volume two right now. I was going to say,
1: I'm not going to commit you or anything, but you're, it, you've started it. You don't have a time frame or any kind of things like that to talk about yet, but you have started it.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Okay, and there's going to be... Absolutely, I,
0: I know where everything's going, and it's just a matter of, like, uh, they call it pencil mileage that I have to <laughs>
1: have
0: to uh, do right now. I just have a lot of pencil mileage ahead of me.
1: Gotcha, gotcha, and that's, this is one, and you're working on two of four to tell the complete story and the next three books the next one is at the, and it's pretty clear excuse me I suddenly have the hiccups on the radio and that's got to be awful Uh, the (laughs) second book the first book is called Freak the second book is called Hacker and at the end of this book he's getting his first home computer so you can see the transition of the story obviously Um, volume three and we won't go into too much detail we'll let it speak of itself is going to be called Fugitive and volume four is going to be called Inmate so we're going to follow this character and his life and his trials and tribulations, if you will. And Wow, that might have been literally, actually, his trials. But um, we're going to follow this character and i got to say there is a bit of connection. I do want to see what happens to Boing Thump. I'm not sure if I can say Boing Thump with a straight face ever, but <laughs> I do want to see how the poor kid turns out because, you know, if there's a little bit of all of us in this character. You've captured a little bit of, of hacker dumb and this one guy so um, the other thing that I want to mention and you and I haven't like I, I, I brought you on the show but I didn't tell you any of these questions I wanted to keep it all impromptu and kind of drop it on you but I am going to pimp this out I don't know if you care about this anyway I, I'm going to go ahead and pimp it out because I would love to see people not only buy the book but I noticed so I'll kind of put you on the spot here I did notice that on the last page here each panel created is an individual 5x5 five five illustration on a 6x7 piece of Bristol. Um, you do have and will sell people the artwork from this. Right. And for me, I'm go- I'm definitely going to get a couple of these and hang in my office. Um, I'm not going to tell the listeners which one. I'm going to wait and make sure I get them first. Um, and get this and frame this and probably hang it here in my in my hat cave here in the... Um, in my office at home, uh, people can order those now. Do they do that on the website? Should they email you directly for that? Working yeah, out? They,
0: they they should they should uh, my emails at the website and they should contact me and let me know what they're interested in and what they would like uh, you know what they would like to purchase or whatever. And all that you know the reason I'm selling that is just sort of uh, like I said there's a lot of pencil mileage ahead on the rest of the volumes of these and. Uh, I just need as as much time as possible to to produce this stuff. And you know, the print costs of this first volume sort of need to be taken care of. Right. You know, I I don't I don't expect to be out of the red anytime time soon.
1: Okay, yeah. I know uh, that so, feeling.
0: Yeah <laughs> yeah. So that that'll just that'll just help with the cost of uh production and things.
1: That's good. That's good. It's it's well worth it and um people can contact you directly you want to give a ballpark number or something in case people think this is going to be cost too much for them or whatever sometimes
0: uh, well it definitely depends on like level of detail and, and right. how cool I think something is right sure but but there were certain ones that I sold for for as low as, as $15 but obviously you're not going to get a panel that has like 8 characters all right. doing c- cool things uh, or something like that and then huh? it, it just, just the prices are based on, like, level of detail. Well,
1: now now that's just a curiosity question. A, two-part oh. question, if you will. <laughs> a, how long did it take you to draw this entire thing start to finish? And B, how long did it take you to draw one, let's say, medium complexity panel?
0: Um, The whole the whole book took me about a year. But that's mm. not to say that I worked on it constantly because right. that's just not true. I, I worked on... I, I drew a whole another book uh in in between in, in between this book so I, so I got a whole bunch of this book done. I drew a whole nother book, sort of just to keep my head above water pay the and door. when I finished that project uh I finished working on this book it took about a year um took from like around one christmas to the next and then uh the second, the second question: How long does it take to do a, uh, an average panel? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say about two and a half to three hours.
1: Wow! Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: I'm just, I'm very slow and I just really have to take my time.
1: Right. Well, I mean, you know, I think you and I were talking earlier too, before we started the show, that you do take pride in the detail and you try not to make mistakes. Or if you do, you'll redo it or fix it to make it right instead of pushing it out I mean you you're satisfied with every one of the pages and panels in this
0: yeah I, I have and
1: a there's a pride a factor
0: a complex. Yeah,
1: there, yeah there's a pride I mean you have the pride for this you're, you know you take pride in that and that's definitely to be commended so I don't think there's anything I mean please by all means if you find a panel and, it, and it's each individual panel let's point that out so if you do if you already have the book Thank you for the purchase, obviously. I'll speak on your behalf there. But if you do want to purchase one of the individual frames itself, it's not the entire page. It's If you find one you like, you will say, give me, you know, I'm interested in page number 28, panel number 3. Because each one of these individual uh, uh, panels is what's on that 5x5, five five, or actually 6x7 sheet, but it's a 5x5 five five graphic. So right. the page and the panel, and then you'll get back to them with more details and whatever. But, um, you know, for the level of detail and for a, an original piece like this, I think, you know, people should be jumping out of their seat if they can get, you know, a good panel for, you know, 25 to 50 bucks easily. You know, I think they should be glad to pay for that and w- a lot more. Especially, like you said, it's the level of detail yeah. is going to be a factor in there. There may be more than that. But... Um, I think that would be great and help fund, you know, the next issue of the book and get get that printed and everything and you know, I hate I don't I don't want to drop a negative thing on you here but I hope you end up breaking even at least when it's all said and done to get the whole series out start to finish. I know I do I I can't appreciate what a commitment it is to come out of pocket to fund this kind of stuff and I have literally been there and I know exactly what you have to shell out and you know be happy to break even when it gets to a certain point. I would love to see you do a whole lot more than break even. So please buy some of the art. Again, I'm pimping you out. You're not doing it. Don't worry. I'm I'm pimping it for you because I really do want people to buy some of this stuff. Great little thing to have hanging in your office. So again, edpiskor.com, E-D-P-I-S-K-O-R.com, and and any of your other work as well. I and mean, We're talking about this because it's obviously related to hacking technology, something our audience will appreciate. But check out some of the other stuff that he's got there as well. Ed, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate your time. Um, Anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to mention? uh, The website, of course. Some of your other work people might be interested in. Um, Anything else uh, that I didn't cover? Um,
0: You know what? Just off the bat, thinking about it, um, I just want to let people know who grabbed the book so far that um, if they send me an email with with the the, uh, word... Handle in the subject line, and uh, they let me know what their what their screen name or handle is. I'm gonna do whatever I can to get that into uh, Volume Two, so uh, they might turn up as a character, or they'll certainly be referred to in some way. They, their name might be uh, scrawled on on a wall, graffiti style. Yeah, or graffiti, like
1: that. graffiti. on the payphone. That'd be awesome. Cool.
0: Yeah. Can yeah, that go for me as
1: well? Am I gonna be in there?
0: What's that? Is that?
1: Does that go for me as well? Do I get in there?
0: Uh, there will be, be a big stank dog somewhere in there. <laughs>
1: well, a dog will wander by on one of the panels <laughs> 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 with a little with the little fumes, stinky fumes coming off of it or something. <laughs> All it's,
0: right, it's man. It's, well, it's listen. one of those things where... Like, <laughs> I want to give a shout-out to anybody who, who grabbed the book and is supporting it and making it possible to do Volume 2. So anybody that grabbed it... Uh, toss me an email. If, if, you know, if you want your name to be included, I could understand uh, how people are proprietary over their privacy and, of course, right. I won't do it without being asked. Uh, but, you know, get in touch with me and do that. I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to include uh, your name somehow because for anybody that grabs it.
1: Yeah, see, that that's awesome. I mean, that's, you know, it's it's not, it's part of the community, you know? This is actually, you know, showing that it's not something that was written by an outsider. It encompasses and includes the community, and it's. The, I, I think that's really a cool gesture on your part. I think that's pretty awesome. So yeah, I, 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 why don't you kick? Why don't you kick the email address before we go?
0: Uh, the email address is uh, Wimpy Rutherford at Gmail. W i m p y r u t h e r f o r d at Gmail, and it's easy to get to if you just go to my website.
1: And the website is.
0: Uh, at com.
1: You can never say it too many times. We're going to pimp, I'm, I'm going to pimp that, get this thing out there. I want people buying this, man. I'm really excited about this. I think it's a really cool project. So well, again, I
0: appreciate you spreading the word and, and I have I have a big chunk of the story online at the site too, so if people are just like on the fence about oh, it, they yeah. can check it out and decide if they want, That is, they want to support the print version or
1: not. Yeah, that is, I'm glad, that is a great thing to mention. Yeah, I forgot all about saying that. Absolutely, some samples and stuff they can look out there, so that's awesome. All right, oh, yeah, so they
0: could they could see probably all the re- all the references that you talked about because you didn't ruin the story because it's already out there, man. <laughs> Some of
1: it, yeah, yeah. All right, man. Well, that's going to do it. Thank you once again for being on the show, Ed. And um, hey, if we we do make it to a conference somewhere, actually, these I think these would sell like hotcakes at one of the conferences. Take these to Def Con in July, I think it is, or August, or whenever it is this year, something like that. If I have a table or something, I'll gladly give you space. Or if we can work you in somewhere. Um, we'll see what we can do to make this happen and, and um, we'll talk offline about some other projects but thank you for being on the show that's going to do it for this episode of Hacker Public Radio so everybody tune in tomorrow for another episode unless it's Friday then I guess there probably won't be one until Monday but tune in for another episode of Hacker Public Radio thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio HPR is sponsored by caro.net so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs